being here again. We, we really are enjoying this class and just kind of holding these tools out here to you. Um, we don't feel like experts in this at all, but it just has impacted us so much that we just enjoy kind of passing it on. We had a great um, kind of, we had our mini OC training yesterday and had, had a few from this class that came to that. And it was just a fun time just to share again and um, add, you know, add some more to our team. If you're interested, again, uh, a full training for the Nashville area is at Clearview Baptist, January 26th and 27th, Freedom Prayer, Freedom Prayer Training. Um, January 26th and 27th or 27th, 28th. It's a Friday night and a Saturday uh, at the end of January. Um, how many of you are on first service already? Okay, a lot of you. Yeah, it was unbelievable. If you haven't been yet, it's incredible. Um, Take your tissues. Yes. Grab some before you walk in. Yeah, amazing story and testimony by... Julia Waddell. Waddell. Waddell, yeah. Um, and just her struggle in the hospital for, I think she said, 54 days. And as we're listening to just what she went through, it just, what hit me in thinking about class is just like how thin the veil is between, between life and death and how we're not guaranteed another day. And it just made me think about as we go through these, these tools and these, we're still in the kind of the core pieces of the book. It's called the core, but it's the things that keep us feeling distance from God. And my thought was just, I want to walk free. Like I want to walk free while I'm here. I don't want to be burdened. I don't want to walk around having this thing attached to me that's kind of weighing me down. I don't want my kids to see that. I want to be free so I can really see what they need. Um, and I want to help others walk free. I just thought, you know, we're, we're meant to walk free. It's our birthright to walk free while we're on this earth, not, not burdened and baggaged by things. And so, um, anyway, that, her story is amazing. It, it, can't do it justice just saying what happened. Um, we missed last week. Reed was uh, taken to the emergency room last Sunday morning. I can't <laughs> it was ended up being we, her dad had a heart attack at 40 and she was having chest pain. So it was like a muscle spasm. I'm fine. But it was bad. Right. Yeah, but, it was bad pain. And my parents are at Bellevue Church of Christ and they prayed for me from the pulpit. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but they know it's fine if you all know. <laughs> yeah, thank okay. you. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> Okay. So we so we missed last week. Um, we got we got to see <laughs> sprung that on her. Sorry. Fine. Thank you. Thank you. Sharing ourselves with you all. <laughs> um, I lost my train of thought. Uh, <laughs> so we we didn't get to hear the recording last week, um, and so I saw Mike's handout look great from Susan's email. I'm sure. Mike and Jeannie did a great job talking about sin. and um, Even from yesterday, we did our little mini training, and Andy Reese was there teaching part of it and just talking about sin and just, like the enemy tries to accuse us, tries to mock us, tries to throw old sin at us. And we can just be like, yeah, uh, Jesus took care of that. That's not on me anymore. That's not a part of me anymore. Like, I don't, I don't have that. You can go try to get a rise out of Jesus, see what he says about that, but it does nothing. Like, it's, not, it's not in me. Like, it's as far from us as the East is from the West. Just, I was encouraging yesterday. Um, so we're moving into entanglement today. I had a uh, printout, a handout I made for you all last night while we watched the Benedict Society with our kids. <laughs> Sat there and worked on it and then didn't print it this morning. And so it's a, we'll, we'll give it to you by email. Um, this is just some of the things on there. Entanglement is one, this is the chapter we're doing in the book, and it's one that can be kind of confusing. Like I didn't think about this growing up. Uh, I didn't, didn't know what this was, but it goes with the parable of the lost sheep. And so just kind of retell that parable kind of briefly. Um, you know, sheep who, you know, what do we know about sheep? What do we, what do we think when we think of sheep? Or here, preachers talk about sheep. What do they always say? What? Dumb. dumb. Yeah, <laughs> dumb. And we're, we're, we, we get to be the sheep, and he's, he's talking about us, you know. <laughs> we're, 
we're compared to sheep. Um, but he loves us. The Father loves us. And this one sheep wanders off, mostly innocently, you know, kind of just like sheep do, just not thinking I'm trying to get away from the flock. I'm just kind of eating grass and wandering, and then all of a sudden look around, the flock's gone. I've, I've, I've wandered off. And so this sheep's gotten away from the, from the flock, and it's gotten entangled, you know, trapped in something. It has no idea where, where, it, where it is, how to get back, what it's trapped up in. And I just imagine this sheep kind of fighting against whatever it's entangled with, like it's caught in something, you know, vines or something, or it's fallen in a pit, it, you know, trying to get out, has no idea how to get out, but, it, but it's away from the flock and there's danger lurking, you know, there's wolves out there, it's not safe for a sheep to be by itself. Um, he needs the shepherd to rescue him, he needs the shepherd to come and find him. Uh, he, he's powerless to do that on his own. And so I imagine the shepherd, you know, searching for the sheep, looking for the sheep, calling out for it maybe, um, and the sheep kind of hearing the shepherd's voice and maybe remembering, oh yeah, that's, that's how I get free, the shepherd looking for me, that's, that's how I get free. Um, and so the shepherd comes, he you know, frees the sheep from the entanglement, breaks off whatever's, whatever's got that sheep trapped. And the shepherd, um, you know, I don't know if you've ever seen a shepherd pick a sheep up, he doesn't, he doesn't grab it by its neck and jerk it over and say, what in the world are you doing, you stupid sheep, and you know, kind of hogtie it or put a leash on it and drag it back. The sheep's not... You know, fighting against the shepherd to get back. The sheep knows this is my way out. This is, my, this is the relief I needed. And the shepherd doesn't pick it up like that. The shepherd just, just gently lifts it on its shoulders and, and puts it up on its shoulders. You know, it bears the weight of what the sheep did. And somebody who's been in an entanglement, who's been in addiction, who's gotten tied to something they didn't mean to get tied to, a relationship that they didn't, they didn't want to walk in this far, but they're stuck and they have no idea how they got there or how to get out, how to how to cut this off. They need the shepherd to say, I'll, I'll hold the weight of that. You don't have to hold that anymore. And from, from that place, he not only bears the weight of the sheep, the sheep can rest there, but the sheep also gets the, the shepherd's perspective. The sheep get, gets to see, okay, here, here's how I got here. Here's, here's the way I wandered off. And we need the Father to show us, look, here's, here's what you were looking for. You were actually looking for this is why you kind of stumbled this way. It, it was mostly innocent, maybe a little bit of you know, kind of your own will in that, but it was mostly innocent. But let me show you kind of why you did that. Um, you know, our churches and cities are, are full of people who have, who have just kind of innocently wandered into entanglements. And we're going to talk about kind of what those are in a minute, kind of on the board here. Um, but the shepherd brings the sheep back. He doesn't, you know, put the sheep in a separate, you know, high security pen because this is a wandering sheep. It's got to be away from everybody else. It's got to watch this, this sheep more closely. He puts it right back in the middle of the flock. And you can imagine this, like, fluffy kind of protective wall around this sheep, like it's right back in the middle. And this sheep, who maybe has a tendency to wander, it's, it can't wander anymore because it's right back in the community. The community surrounds it and loves it. The shepherd celebrates, you know, finding this one that was lost. You know, people that, that curiously get into addictions or, or codependent relationships, um, innocent friendships that turn dangerous when affairs start, you know, things that we shouldn't be tied to. Um, people step into... Uh, spiritual or organizational groups that seem innocent, seem fine, but kind of have um, a kind of, kind of cultish, to be honest. But God's heart is rescue in all of these. His heart is rescue to find them, to lift them up, to bring them back. Um, and I love Jen talking about in the chapter, you know, what if every time we ended up entangled and lost, you know, we knew the shepherd was looking for us. We knew the shepherd was out there. But I don't know how I got here, what, where, what I'm even tied up in, but I know he's looking for me. Um, so the encouragement of that. And I think as a church, we don't always do that with people who have gotten into entanglements. I think Otter Creek actually does a good job of this, but maybe in, in, our, in our past, 
we don't we kind of hold the, the sheep that's wandered or gotten entangled kind of outside the flock, you know, on probationary period. Kind of like the, the son. You would think the father would make him earn his love back, but he welcomes him right back into the family. Same with the lost sheep, right back into the flock. You know, you're fully part of us again. It's not embarrassing. It's not shameful. We all can stumble into this. Um, you know, no one takes starts taking a drink socially hoping that they'll be addicted to this and go down on a trail of ruining their life and the lives of their family. Um, no one starts talking with an old boyfriend or girlfriend online hoping it'll lead to an affair that destroys their marriage, destroys their family. No one takes an oath when they're pledging a sorority or fraternity or some other club that really has some kind of darkness in it, you know, thinking this is going to affect my kids when I have kids. So these are the kind of things we're talking about with entanglements that that what we say matters, what we do matters, and what we inherit matters. Um, and again, this wasn't a new concept for me. Uh, since Freedom Prayer, I've kind of taken my words a lot more seriously. Like, our words have power. We're like God. He spoke and the world was created. Our words have power as well. And Satan knows that. Satan is a legalist and an opportunist. And he knows that we live this Christian life in kind of a, a reaping. There's a reaping and a sowing. There's just things when we do something... We sow certain things. I think Mike might have mentioned last week, you know, it's like gravity. Sin has consequences. God doesn't need to give extra consequences. He knows when you sin, there's going to be consequences. That's how this world is set up. And Satan knows that our words have power, and he's a legalist when it comes to our words and to what we do. Um, so what we do matters. You know, ways we might get entangled with things that we do. Um, sexual activity outside of marriage can create this unholy soul tie, we call it, with someone who I'm not supposed to be tied to. Um, you know, we've given a piece of ourselves to that person that wasn't supposed to be given to them. And I know in a room like this, like you're thinking back to things you do when you were young and that kind of thing. And just, again, the shepherd's heart is grace. Like there's grace every time. There's a way to get this off. But, but it needs to come off. Like if I've tied myself somewhere I shouldn't have been tied, I need to cut that off. I need to break that off so I can walk whole, so I can walk fully free the way I'm supposed to walk. Not kind of, you know, you know the things that, that happen from sexual activity outside of marriage and just ways that can kind of enter into your, to your own marriage. I think about my, my kids. I actually had a coworker this week that was just saying her daughter's starting to date someone and she's kind of has a relationship where she could ask them, what are y'all you know, doing together? And I just shared, you know, I'm not sure. My daughters, thankfully, aren't at that age yet where we're having to have these conversations, but, it's, you know, it's coming close. And I just want to tell them, you know, you you're giving a piece of yourself to somebody else when you act out of covenant in marriage, when you do things out of covenant in marriage. Like you're making a tie there. You're getting, you're getting tied to that person that you don't know if you're going to marry or not. Um, I'm kind of going down the road. I don't really want to go down right now because I don't have, it, have an answer here. Um, but just thinking about, you know, how we share this with our kids. Um, entanglement by what we do can be platonic relationships where... You're just friends, but all of a sudden I'm, I'm sharing more with this person than really I should be sharing. We're talking a lot, or we're talking way deeper. You know, this is more things that are reserved for my spouse that I'm sharing with this person. Now there's this tie there where I kind of I like this, this relationship. Um, addictions to drugs, alcohol, pornography can be entanglements. Um, where, you know, I kind of stumbled into this thing, I tried this thing, but now... You know, the enemy has kind of entered in and is, is spinning this up and tightening this, and I, I can't get out now. Like, I, it feels like I have to do this. And you can, you can see how that works with addictions. I have to do this. I can't stop. I don't know how to get out. And so 
kind of the same remedy in all of these, what I say, what I do, what I inherit, kind of the same remedy in what we do in a prayer time is, is help someone break it off. Like that's the, that's the remedy is to break the entanglement. The shepherd, you know, breaks and breaks free the sheep. And so in a prayer time, we have people, again, our words have power. Satan knows that. We, so we have someone speak out. Um, well, first asking Jesus, what was I looking for? Jesus, you know what it was. You know what I was looking for when I, when I started this relationship, when I started walking down this way. You know what I was looking for when I, when I started getting too heavy into, into drugs. Um, you, know, you, you know, would you show me, would you name for me what I was looking for? And just having Jesus say, you know, you wanted relief. You wanted relief from this. You wanted, you wanted connection. You wanted, you wanted, here's what you wanted. I, I know what it is. At the end of this, we're going to ask Jesus, would you fill that? Would you be the one to meet that? Here's what I was looking for. I wandered this way. I didn't want to. I'm sorry for my part in that. I repent from, of my part in that. Would you be the one to fill that need now? Um, and Jesus is happy to show, yes, I want to be the one that fills that. You don't need to wander. You don't need to look anywhere else. I'll fill this for you. With somebody who comes into a prayer time and it has been like past sexual activities, kind of what's on their mind, like, you know, Satan wants to throw that in our faces when we are about to step into something he want, that God wants us to do. Because again, he's an, he's an opportunist too. So I did this thing in high school. I went too far with my girlfriend. And now I'm about to step into ministry and Satan you know, brings that back up. It's kind of like over, overwhelming, brings this back up. Like, who do you think you are? You can't, you can't do this. If they knew what you had done, what you're hiding, what you haven't told anyone, you'd be kicked out of this. You'd be kicked out of the church, much less able to do this ministry, lead this ministry. Like, are you even saved? You never told anybody about this. And so he wants to keep it in the shadows, keep it locked down. Um, and in a prayer time, when someone says, this is what I'm struggling with, you know, I had this kind of string of, of relationships in my life. We just walk them through, you know, confessing and repenting of their part, yes, but also giving back to the person, whatever they took from them. We, we have them say it like, you know, I give back to so-and-so, I give back to those women every piece of their heart they gave me, their heart, their mind, their body, their soul, their emotions, I give back to them washed clean in the blood of Jesus. And I take back from them every piece of my heart and mind and body and soul washed clean in the blood of Jesus. Jesus, would you show me what you want to fill in the place where that entanglement held? What do you want to fill in with in me? Um, now, that, now that entanglement is broken and gone, what do you want to fill me with? So that's just kind of some of the language there. And maybe as you're kind of just thinking it to yourself, like you can do that on your own too. Or if you feel like I want to have a prayer time and do this, um, it ha- we, ha- we do this often. So I've got kind of several pieces here, but do you want to interject anything as you're thinking? Or? Franklin, I have a yeah. question, or if you could maybe address this. Um, it's been really interesting in my adult life with different friends who grew up in different church or non-church backgrounds the impact of the shame culture, mm-hmm. um, the purity culture seen as such a negative thing mm-hmm. rather than a, a, a positive, beautiful thing and how that impacts marriage because you go in thinking bad, 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 mm-hmm. bad, and now it's supposed to be good. And I'm just yeah. curious, um, when you talk about you know, you give, give a piece, take a piece, etc., the word shame just keeps coming mm-hmm. up in my head because mm-hmm. I know a lot of us in here have been positively or negatively impacted by that culture. Mm-hmm. Is shame something that you find come up yeah. frequently in freedom prayer and do you have kind of, and, and I'm and thinking of raising our teens too mm-hmm. because we mm-hmm. we do set the ideal and we have open dialogue and everybody's going to have different thoughts on what those boundaries yeah. are and, yeah. um, and just the, the importance I think of grace and freedom mm-hmm. even though everybody's 
specifics might look a little different. Yeah, yeah. that's a great Does question. that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yes. I've got thoughts, but I bet Reed and Mike and Jeannie <laughs> do too. Do you want to? Yeah, so just with that, there's just so much power in putting it in the light mm-hmm. um, and just saying it out loud to the Lord. Lord, I have felt this shame. Will you take this from me? Just asking him and waiting on his response. And you know it's going to be good. And then asking him specifically, what do you have for me to replace that shame? And it's going to be unique to you, and it's going to be good. And seeing the grace of him when you say, God, how did you see me then? Yeah. Yes. Oh, you were looking for a safe place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A hole in your daddy heart. And mm-hmm. you were, mm-hmm. That was your safe place. Mm-hmm. And having that compassion on little child wherever you were. Yeah. Yeah, that's really Absolutely. good. Great question. Yeah. Kegel, is there anything you want to add to that? We talked a little bit about this last week. When we, when we take on shame, we're really taking the event on as a part of our identity. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not I did something wrong. It says I am a yeah. uh, sinful, I am a bad person. Mm-hmm. And so when you adopt that as your identity, it changes mm-hmm. drastically how you make decisions in mm-hmm. life and how you feel about yourself. Mm-hmm. But if you see it as guilt, guilt is something that can be repented of. Mm-hmm. You acknowledge that you did something wrong, that you need to do something to protect yourself in the future, but it's not it doesn't define you. Yeah. It doesn't it doesn't become a part of your identity. Mm-hmm. And uh, but that's what Satan wants us to do. Mm-hmm. He wants us to feel shame. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that is more in our head than what sometimes people may do. Yeah. I think we, we uh, conjure things up sometimes. Some, now, in the church, sometimes we can be pretty brutal with people if, they, uh, if they've been sinful, mm-hmm. especially something that we think is that, you know, there's a lot of sins we kind of accept, mm-hmm. but some we cannot tolerate. Mm-hmm. So if you do one of those that, that can't be tolerated, you will be shamed mm-hmm. uh, by some people. So just remember you're in a church of sinners. Mm-hmm. I like that that shame. We take it on as our identity. And, but Jesus took care of the shame and guilt. Like Again, it's grace. There's grace there. Even that, we, when we take it on as our identity, we kind of keep going down that path. It's like, well, this is who I am. Yeah. I feel shameful. In Hebrews 9 and 10, it says, And Jesus sprinkled his blood and cleansed our consciences. Mm-hmm. Conscience, I tell you. <laughs> our conscience. Yeah. In other words, it's not just forgiving of the offense, mm-hmm. but what we feel inside. He cleanses yeah. that uh, part of us that carries it with us. Mm-hmm. And so when we are clean, when we are made clean, it's not just a sin, but what we carry with us. Mm-hmm. That's really good, yeah. That's really good. Yeah, thanks for that question. Um, so that's kind of what we what we uh, do matters. Yeah, that's what we did first. Yeah, we skipped around. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what we do matters. What we do matters. And there's other ways that happens too. Um, the next one, what we, what we say matters. Again, we're kind of talking about ways we get entangled. Um, and when we think about this in this ministry, kind of vows are what, what we think about. Um, things like, that I said kind of offhand or that I, I really believed maybe, I, I swear I'll never be like my mom. You know, I, I swear I will never parent like my dad. 
um, you know, things that, that <coughs> seem offhand, but, but again, our words have power. You know, just saying to ourselves, I'll, I'll never be able to do this, or I am, a, I am the worst parent. Um, pray with a man who, what the Lord brought up or showed him was that this tape in his head that always played was, I'm just a small, stupid man. I'm a small, stupid man. They have an argument with his wife. He, you know, disciplines kids. I'm a small, stupid man. And the Lord showed him that you, you're letting this inner vow. And it's not something he was saying out loud. He, I think he did sometimes. But this inner vow of this tape in his head that he was just, it was a lie, but it become kind of a, it become a vow. It become entangled because he was believing this is who I am. Um, do you have an example of this? Or you say that I'm later? Yet, later, yet. okay, yeah. Um, so vows like that, oaths. Again, I mentioned earlier fraternities, sororities. We have a we have a and reach pray with more people than I have, but people that have relatives or they were involved in Freemasons. Um, not something again I was all that familiar with growing up, but organizations like Freemasons, Shriners, have these vows that are just dark. Like if I don't do this, if I don't fulfill this, then the way my children will die to the third and fourth generation. And you think, like, what's, it's just a club. You know, I'm just saying this to get in this club. But, but Satan, that's not what Satan's thinking. Satan's thinking, okay, you said this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to torment you with this. I'm going to spin this up in your head. I, I get up some legal ground here now. You know, the vow, I'll never be like my mom. You know, Satan's like, okay, you try that. Okay, you, you can't do it. Now I get to have a foothold here. And I'm going to spin your mom's head up in your, in your mind so, so loud, so much, that you can't, you can't hear Jesus' voice, that she's the voice that has the most weight. You know, like a codependent relationship. It shouldn't be anybody else's voice in your head other than Jesus that has the most weight. Um, so it could be that if that's the case, that it, maybe a vow like that is what has given that foothold there. And so in a prayer time, um, someone might come in and they have this kind of, you know, anger toward their mom or their, this relationship is not good. And you, you might walk them through some forgiveness. Like for, when, when someone's hurt, we walk them through forgiveness steps to forgive this person. But what a person that has spoken a vow like that needs is to break off that entanglement. That I need to break the place where mom's voice is the loudest, where dad's voice is the loudest in my head. His voice shouldn't be the loudest. And again, this was all new to me. In the Bible, uh, example of Peter, where Jesus says to Peter, Simon, Simon, Satan has demanded to sift you like wheat, but I have pleaded for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. So when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. And you think like, you know, why does he say Satan has demanded to sift you? Well, earlier, Peter has said, Lord, I'm ready to go to prison with you and even to death with you. If, they, if the rest of them fall away, I never will. And that sounds like noble, like, yeah, good, good Peter. But there's some pride in that. Like, I'll, I'll never fall away from you. And Satan steps in and is like, you can't actually keep that vow, Peter. And I, I want to I sift Peter out. I, wanna, I, wanna, I, get some, I get some say in this now. Um, there's, a, there's a passage in 2 Samuel where David asked the Lord, why is this famine happening that's been going on for three years? And the Lord shows him that Saul and his family are guilty for killing the Gibeonites. And the Gibeonites, um, back in Joshua, you know, 500 years earlier, Joshua had made a peace treaty with the Gibeonites and said, we will protect you, we'll, we'll look out for you. And now Saul has killed the Gibeonites, and this famine has affected the whole land. Like God shows him, this is why. You made, you made this covenant, and it didn't happen, and now here's the results. And again, Satan, he's a, he's a legalist. You know, 500 years difference. You know, our lifetime is not a long time to, for him to wait to the right moment to throw that up in our face. Um, but our words do have power. Satan is waiting for us to speak those things. And he says, you know, I got you. I get some ground here now. 
And so in a prayer time, when we kind of discern, the Lord kind of reveals that maybe a vow is what is kind of driving this thing in a person's life. We'll just have them walk through steps of, you know, I break the vow that I made when I said I would never be like my mom. I break the vows that I spoke when I joined that club. I, I renounce their power over me. They no longer control my life. Um, Jesus, what do you want to fill in the place where I made that vow? Um, what do you want to, what's true about me, actually? What do you want to say in the place of that? And let Jesus kind of fill in with what I actually need there. I love this. Uh, Andy Reese showed me this a few years ago, and just last night it hit me as we were preparing. Uh, not that we always prepare last minute like that. <laughs> we often spend time during the week, but we had a lot going on this week. Um, but Numbers, and this, I've never heard this before, but, but it's, I think it's really neat. Numbers 30, 3 through 5 says, And if a woman in her father's house during her youth, so a girl, it could be a son, makes a vow to the Lord or obligates herself by a pledge, and her father hears about her vow or pledge but says nothing to her, then all the vows or pledges by which she has bound herself shall stand. But if her father prohibits her on the day he hears about it, then none of the vows or pledges by which she has bound herself shall stand. The Lord will absolve her because her father has prohibited her. And what I take from that is like, when I hear my daughter say, I always stumble over my words, that the father can step in and say, no, you don't. Let's break that right now. No, you don't. Don't speak that over yourself. Or, or my, your son says, I can't, I'm not good at anything. I can't do this. Yes, you can. There's power there in this relationship of, of fathers, mothers over their kids. So when you hear your kids saying these things, speaking these things, step in and break it. Like God gives us this power to stop these vows so it's not a lifetime of this is what I believe. It doesn't take root when I'm, when I'm five or in the six and seven and eight and become my identity the rest of my life. That We, we have some power to do that. Um, and I just thought, thought that, I think that's so neat. The last part of this, and we'll give some ex- some examples, are um, is what we inherit matters. And in the handout, I've got some some passages to, to back this up, uh, because again, generational sin, generational curses, uh, not preached a lot from the pulpit in Church of Christ churches, at least that I heard growing up. Um, but but it's in Scripture that God says, "I'll visit this on the third and fourth generation." Um, you know, patterns of behaviors, patterns in your family of divorce, patterns in your family of, of anger. Uh, this place where you do feel, you know, my, my mom was angry all the time. Now I'm doing the same thing with my kids. Um, sexual infidelity in, in, your, in your family line, fear. Um, these things that are passed down. Again, I mentioned, you know, clubs and sororities, Freemasons, where my grandfather spoke this thing, did this thing, and he, and he mentioned and said the third and fourth generation. And now... This thing's coming up. We've had, I know I've heard, I think, Andy at a prayer time where there's kind of violent thoughts coming up in this woman's mind, just like of, of killing her children. And she came at prayer time like, why am I thinking this? And through questions and, and the Lord's revealing, she, she, she realized her father, her grandfather had made these vows in Freemasonry. Now the Satan's kind of spinning these things up in her life um, is a way that that works. So a resolution with this, we're again going to break the entanglement, but it sounds like walking the person through, I put the cross between me and any generational sin or curse that my family has spoken, any generational sin or curse that was passed down to me. I declare the results of this stop today will not be passed down to me or to my children or my children's children. And I receive from you, Jesus, all the blessings I was supposed to receive through your bloodline. Would you give me everything that I was supposed to get through your bloodline to my children and their children and a thousand generations after me? I break it today. Jeannie, one of the first classes, mentioned you holding the cross up 
to your ancestors, to, your, to what, what that thing is that's being passed down for generations. It stops here by the cross. We have the power, the authority of Jesus to stop that. Um, so again, this is the one that kind of seems new. Entanglement, to me, was new when I, we started this ministry. I love Jen's quote on page 123 uh, that says, when what we do, what we say, or what we inherit generationally entangles us up in ways we don't want to be caught we need the shepherd's rescue, and we need to know that his rescue is full of grace. Just the way the shepherd seeks out the sheep, searches, picks them up, takes the weight of it, breaks it off, brings them back into the flock. These things aren't, don't have to control our lives. There's, there's, a, there's a remedy to these. And Reed's got some examples uh, how she's seen this in prayer times. And this was new to me too, just the whole thought of reading the parable this way and seeing how we just wander off accidentally but get caught. Um, but now our antennas are up. Like we see it a lot. Um, so I'll just share one of mine first and one of my birthday prayer times because I like to go on my birthday and half birthday. Um, I asked the Lord, and I don't remember how we got to this point to know to ask the Lord if I had made any vows, like maybe in my childhood or something. And he reminded me of when I was around six years old And I was pulling what I thought was wildflowers or weeds from a neighbor's yard. And she opened the front door and yelled at me because they were actually flowers she had planted. And I, at that point, made an inner vow that I would always follow the rules because if I did things, if I did, things would go well. And they would go well for me. And I didn't want to make anyone mad at me again. And this is how I live my life not realizing how Satan would twist my vow. I believed that if I followed all of the rules, that I would have a perfect marriage. If I followed all the rules leading up to marriage, that I would have a perfect marriage. And that didn't happen. Um, And then my world fell apart. And I felt trapped. And I was looking for a way out. I just lost my place. I'm fine. (laughs) And um, I broke that vow in that prayer time. And Jesus was so sweet to show me that I can still follow the rules because I love rules. (laughs) But my reasons would change. Um, So now I was only going to be following the rules that were following him. And I got an image of him looking over his shoulder and laughing. And he was like motioning for me to follow him. Um, Another example that I have permission to share from a prayer time that I was in recently that I was leading for another lady, she realized that she never felt like she was enough because her mom made her feel that way. And then she quickly realized, wait, my grandmother made my mom feel that way. And then she was like, wait, I'm making my daughters feel that way. I mean, this all just came to her so quickly and it was from the Lord. And I asked her if she wanted to cut off that generational line of believing that lie, that none of them were ever good enough. And she did. And so it sounds like I break agreement with that generational line 
and ask that you cleanse me and my family and my children and generations to come. Thank you, Jesus, that I am a part of your bloodline. And I ask for every good thing that I was supposed to have received from my family, and I reject anything that does not line up with your holiness. Would you show me any truth about me and my family now that we are tied to you? She just waited on the Lord. And it was so great because she got an image immediately of the good things that she did receive from her mom and a sense that her mom would be proud of her for breaking that generational line that her mom probably never wanted to pass on to her. And so we just thanked Jesus for reminding her of the good things that she did inherit and that she didn't have to keep the bad things anymore or pass them on. Um, Another example is, um, also have permission to share, Um, a woman in a prayer time with soul ties to past boyfriends. She asked Jesus, and he showed her that she had all of these dead vines coming out from her in all different directions, and she didn't even know the language of entanglements, but he clearly defined it for her. She asked Jesus what he wanted to do with those, and he severed all of the vines with his cross. She just got this image of his cross going in the ground and severing those dead vines coming like roots and showed her a strong cable between her and her husband that was like humming and glowing with life and said, this is who you are tied to now, and it is in covenant with me. And then... That was years ago, and she just would not ask permission to share this. Um, She just told me this morning, this is still such a powerful image for her. And um, I have permission to share this next example as well. So this is a friend who um, let a personality trait that was dictated by a test have more power over her than she ever intended. She thought it would be fun and a useful tool for her marriage, but instead she let it define her in ways that were out of balance. In her prayer time, she broke agreement with the power it held over her and gave the job of defining her identity back to the Lord. Y'all might want to talk now. (laughs) We thought we would actually have more time for discussion, but anything in that... Resonate with you, the thoughts, comments that you have. Uh, doesn't have to be because we're close to the end here. And, and we know this was heavier today. I just am thankful for you all. Kind of, we love that this class goes deep and is vulnerable and can keep going deep. And you keep, we keep coming back with each other. Like I love getting to know some of you all and just being family together. And um, so yeah, just sharing, even through the hard things, just sharing and, and being there for each other. But any thoughts anyone has or about kids or any of the stories or. Yeah. yeah, I think um, it takes like 15 seconds of being a parent to realize like my child will never, I will never, and they will never. And like that to me, like I hate never and always. Yeah. I teach Spanish and my answer is always, I'm not going to say always, I'm not going to say never because I'm sure I'm going to prove wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's like to say, hey, you know, like, um, but I think seeing it as like, no, it's, a, it's an actual valuable covenant with yourself or with someone else yeah. is, is, Shifting the perspective from yeah. this, I don't want to be embarrassed by being proven wrong. Yeah, that I said my kid would never say this, and he's never like yeah. never before. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just for me, realizing Satan is a legalist. 
And he's going to twist it and spin it. And I, I would say, too, he's not omniscient like God is. So maybe every vowel you say, every, every little word you say, he doesn't catch, but he, I don't know, he has spiritual forces out there that, I don't know how that works, but... And we'll get into spiritual warfare in a later yeah. chapter. <laughs> yeah. I think it's really important, the example that you use Peter as an example, because Peter's vow was not rooted in untruth. Right. Mm-hmm. It was rooted really in a desire and yeah. a belief that he could follow Jesus. And I think so many of the vows that, well, the specific vow I'm thinking, thinking of um, related to financial freedom mm. is one that I like came out of a Christian education with rooted and it was rooted in truth like that this is the way to live free is financial security mm. but the part of it that I chose to define for myself instead of giving to the Lord made it a vow of identity so mm. the part of it that became like I will accomplish it this way mm. um, and that, you know that ended up being what was required of us to do some of the other things that hmm. God asked us to do. Yeah. It wasn't about I could keep. Oh, yeah. Because. Yeah. Because of the fact that it was really untrue. Yeah. 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 But, anyway, I think Peter is so, like, if you could could read later Peter's emotions, like, right. I desired you. Yeah. So some of the paths we use are definitely untrue, but so many of them. Yeah. Rooted in truth, yeah. Rooted in truth. That's so much harder to separate. Mm -hmm. It is. Mm -hmm. Your intentions were good. It was rooted in truth. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Thank you for sharing that. That's really good. One of the things I think is important to keep in mind with entanglement is that if Satan can get you comfortable in an environment or you, you see something that it becomes kind of part of your culture or part of your landscape mm-hmm. you, your defenses go down because you've gotten comfortable with it mm-hmm. so think about what you read, what you watch uh, and what you listen to in music and those kind of things I, I don't think we need to give a hard line for anybody and say you shouldn't listen to these songs and you shouldn't do this that's not the point, the point is what is Satan using for you to entangle you in this situation? Because how it's going to entangle me may not be the same way to entangle somebody else. But entanglement is very subtle and it's surrounded with naivete. Um, it's, it, it catches us before we know it. That's really good, yeah. Great thought. I'll just share a quick I guess testament to the power of this platform. Last night, I just realized that I was having a thought about my child, sort of like projecting something that he might become in the future. And um, I was just immediately like, God, take this thought yeah. captive. Mm. Yes. And it was such a surreal <laughs> experience because I knew I had had that thought, but I. I could not access that thought. Mm-hmm. It was it was a really cool experience. That's like, so great. It was powerful. That's Thank awesome. you for sharing yeah. that. Mm-hmm. That's so great. Yeah. And the enemy we've had prayer times or heard stories of prayer times where someone they're having a prayer time that and that this afternoon in church this morning got just this disgusting sexual thought in their head. And they came to the prayer time and was like that I wasn't playing on this, but that and just like the just drive by kind of Satan kind of wanting to see what he can do. Like, I'm going to throw this in there right now and just see if this lands. And again, with our kids, like, I, I don't know if we talked to this in class or not before, but like with our kids, like, 
you know, that might not have been you that had that thought. You don't have to think this thing flew, this thing popped up in my head, and a kid who doesn't know was that me? Why did I? I'm, what's wrong with me? And we offer like you know, Satan also wants to put Satan wants to use that screen in your head too, and taking the thought captive. You don't have to hold that thought wherever it came from. I take it captive. Can I give this to you, Jesus? What do you want to put in the place? Um, that just struck me with your story that not the way that works. And if I don't remember those fancy words, just Jesus. Yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 Teach my kids that. Just say Jesus. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's yes. really good. Yeah. 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 Thanks. We're out of time. I want to tell you all. Uh, Jen just confirmed this morning. She's going to come back in one of these last four weeks. I think it's about four weeks left of the class. She's going to come back and either teach one of the chapters or kind of recap, um, answer questions and stuff. So, um, she did a great job last time and, and wrote the book. So, yeah. thank you all so much. Thank we enjoyed you. this morning. Thank you.